G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. We're going to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby for a look at this week's political agenda. Christopher Brohier, the South Australian State Director, with us in just a few moments. We're 90 minutes away from meeting the author of a new book called Be Still My Soul, Finding Comfort, Home, Meaning and Rest in the Shadow of Death. Oh, you might think, what a morbid subject to be talking about. Well, not really. Well, you might even say we're all on a pathway to death. Uh, Let's uh, get the best insights we can. Lots of people around us are struggling to overcome the pain of grief and loss, and some even in the shadow of dying from a life-limiting illness. So look forward to that conversation 90 minutes from now. Then on Faith and the Future with Dr. Camille Majdali, our series is in the book of Genesis Today, talking about Jacob and the meaning of Bethel. Engaging conversations ahead as we kick off another big week on this Monday edition of 2020. On a Monday, we like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby. And Christopher Bro here is back with us today, ACL State Director for South Australia, Tasmania and the Northern Territory. Hey, Christopher, welcome back. Well, thanks, Neil. Good to be back. Hey, Christopher, before we get into some of the, you know, campaign lobbying issues that the ACL is really, you know, in the deep end on, uh, just let me ask you and maybe pick your brain here. uh, The latest news poll results have the Labor Party level with the coalition on a two party preferred basis. I wonder what your thoughts are about the significance of the changing way that people are responding to government. Yes, well, it's. Uh, I mean, polls are polls. They're, they're only a snapshot of what happens on a particular day. Um, but I think the trend is is important. The government's vote has been tanking for a while now, um, and for the coalition to be fifty fifty is a significant change. And I think also the preferred prime minister uh, popularity th- uh, contest between. The Prime Minister and Peter Dutton, uh, they're, they're pretty well lying ball now. And um, all, all I know is just as, as observations from the outside, I think obviously the voice has contributed to it. But I think two things, the, the way the Prime Minister handled that incident when the Chinese sonar targeted our divers um, and didn't come out straight away and condemn it, that's not uh, at least... For those who know about it, it's not cut well because the primary job of government is to support our defence people. Uh, and the second issue is how they've handled the the Israel-Gaza conflict, but particularly in relation to the safety and the um, the ability of Jewish people in this country to live without intimidation. That there's been a significant intimidation of Jewish people and the government has not come out unequivocally and condemned it and said this should not be. They've tried to play the 50-50 game. That can't happen. 
We'll we have to stand with the Jewish people. And uh, challenging times, and it's no one issue here, is it? Uh, there's a lot of dimensions, as you say, the voice, uh, defence, uh, Israel-Gaza conflict. Um, you m- others might be adding to that, uh, you know, the cost of living challenges that we're going through right now and uh, debates over energy and all those sorts of things uh, there are challenging times for all who are in government, whether it's federal government or state government. Uh, there needs to be a definitive type of response on a whole lot of different issues uh, for whichever side is going to you know, get some preeminence ahead of the next elections. So uh, anyway, just good to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, let's touch on some of the issues you're working closely with, Christopher. New South Wales legislation, uh, which would mandate affirmation therapy for sex-confused kids put on hold. Uh, What's the development there in New South Wales? So the news came out last week, it would have been Wednesday or Thursday, that the government was going to introduce this legislation, which really is misguided in my view, uh, before the Christmas break, but they've now put it off to consult more with all sexes, sectors of the community. Uh, And that's, that's a good thing. Uh, because I think increasingly it's clear that this sort of legislation really is pushing kids into harmful treatment. I I had a, a, a an occasion yesterday to talk to a, a lady who has been through most of this treatment, including surgery, and she found her mental health getting worse and worse and worse, and it wasn't until she came across a psychiatrist who was help, help her to understand that it wasn't her body that was the problem, that there had been issues in her past that had to be had to be dealt with, that she was able to make a recovery. Now, we simply can't channel kids into this sort of treatment. And Alex Antic has a bill which, unfortunately, the Senate didn't allow to go to a, a committee calling for a ban on gender uh, treatment. Uh, the rest of the world is moving on this, Neil, and we've talked before that um, Sweden, um, Norway, Finland, France, UK, states in the US, th- these aren't these aren't fly-by-night countries. These are heavy hitters who were leading the way in many of these treatments, who've pulled back from it, and we mustn't push kids in. And so this legislation is part of that push, and it shouldn't go ahead. And while that's happening in New South Wales, as you say, a good thing, it's on hold for now. Uh, In South Australia, uh, you've got Frank Pangello, who's facing some opposition from uh, promoters of this harmful treatment based on false claims. Uh, What's happening in South Australia? So uh, uh, Frank Pangello, an Upper House MP, tabled a motion a couple of weeks ago uh, calling for an inquiry into how sex-confused kids are treated in South Australia. It's a broad-ranging inquiry. There's been pushback by people writing to um, the various MPs saying this is going to harm kids. That That is simply not right. That there's, there's claims that if kids don't get this treatment, it could be, they, they um, are more likely to commit suicide. That is simply false. There are false, harmful claims being made. And we're calling on the South Australian Upper House to support this legislation, uh, this this motion, because we're the taxpayers in South Australia, for example. We need to know how our kids are being treated. 
and an inquiry can't hurt anybody. Uh, Christopher, just uh, to dwell on this for a moment, because, uh, you know, time to call out harmful claims of these groups and uh, which uh, state uh, actually causes the, you know, the increase in suicide. And of course, there's there's going to be academic research on both sides. And it's a he says, she says when it comes to, um, you know, how you deal with these sorts of things, um, is the is the sort of research that's showing some of these things to be harmful, that is, are being pursued in various places, are they gradually, is it coming to light that those, uh, those uh, details and uh, those research findings are not really watertight? Uh, because as you say, as we were discussing, there's a lot of nations around the world are backtracking at a great rate of knots right now. Yes, uh, I think, Neil, the, the Finns are a good example. Finland's a very progressive country, but the, the Finnish government authorities are saying that this affirmation model doesn't help mental health issues of kids. It makes no appreciable change. In about 37%, it, there's, there's increased uh, suicide ideation in about 37%. So for about 74%, it doesn't help. That, that's the best science. And we live in a world where we talk of science. Well, the, the best science says that this sort of treatment does not help. And we have an activist-driven model uh, which is pushing kids in a way which is harmful for them, and we have to stop. Let's stay in South Australia where the equality bill may come up this week in the South Australian Parliament. Uh, what's the latest there? So the latest is that uh, Nicola Centifanti, who's promoting this bill, was on radio this morning um, and she said her bill may come up to a vote this week on Wednesday, I think it is. Um, she said the numbers are close. Uh, it's interesting that one of the opponents, a group called SIN, uh, Sex Industry Network, were on the radio saying if uh, Nicola really cared for people in prostitution, she would introduce what's called spent convictions. That's to people who've had convictions would have them expunged. And Nicola said she's actually doing that. She's drafting amendments to her legislation. So this is very important legislation. To, we're in an atmosphere of talk about domestic violence Prostitution is violence against women. It is men largely buying largely women for their pleasure and not for the woman's care. That has to, that has to, we, we have to take a stand against that. And uh, going from states uh, in South Australia to what's happening federally, uh, Alex Antic and a bill to ban sterilisation, uh, what's the latest on that uh, bill? So th this was his bill to, to ban uh, sex reassignment treatment for kids because it's called, I call it sterilization because that's what happens. We need to talk honestly about these things. If you put kids through puberty blockers, um, cross-sex hormones, surgery, you sterilize them. So what we're doing, putting it very bluntly, is sterilizing people who've got, who are vulnerable. That sounds crazy in 2021 in Australia. That's the effect of it. Um, so he had this bill, but the Senate uh, refused leave for it to go to an inquiry. Um, so he's now got to decide whether he 
price to bring it to a vote. But it's very important, even though that was a loss for him, that these things are being raised publicly because otherwise this just sort of lives in the in the shadows. We need to have people raising it publicly and saying this is not good enough. Okay. Uh, no, it's not good enough. And uh, we'll be monitoring all of these things as they continue. And uh, as I sometimes reflect uh, Christopher, uh, people who are going through gender dysphoria and uh, some levels of confusion. Sometimes the Christians are considered to be somehow the enemy, but actually we're the ones you might even say the closest friends uh, to those who are facing such uh, diabolical uh, consequences for going through those things. And to be able to speak up and to halt those things uh, is certainly one of those things I think uh, Christians ought to be more renowned for rather than sort of somehow rather looking like an enemy. Hey, let's talk uh, babies born alive. Uh, uh, we've been talking about this uh, for some years, ever since George Christensen introduced a bill like this. And uh, after his life in Parliament, there's three uh, members uh, who have taken up this challenge to to be able to protect babies born alive. Um, your thoughts here, uh, federally and state-wise, what's happening? So again, there's this bill to, uh, just to give your listeners a recap, New South Wales and South Australia are the only, only states that uh, have required in legislation a duty of care for babies born alive. Um, that was refused recently in, in the West, um, for reasons best known to the MPs who voted against that proposal, that amendment. Uh, so there's this federal bill. Uh, and there's campaigns going by ACL, by a group called Love Australia, to write into the senators asking them to let this bill go to um, a vote, to promote it uh, and to support it. Uh, because, uh, again, Neil, how can we as a community allow babies who are born 20 weeks plus, 22 weeks plus, who, who can be viable, and that's possible now because we have abortion to birth, how can we not say they have to be given proper care? It's one of those very challenging ethical issues uh, where, as Christians, uh, we stand absolutely uh, on the side of the evidence and uh, wanting those things to happen, uh, whether it's federally or in the States, uh, to allow uh, children who are born uh, in the process of an abortion to be, uh, to be offered uh, care, uh, even if it is in the time that they might be spent dying. Hey, you know, of course, we always like to think of what are the solutions. It's all very well to be uh, pro-life, which is therefore anti-abortion, and and we're looking for solutions. We're looking for ways in which there can be a positive response that might make people think twice before going through the dreadful process of abortion. Uh, there's a, a thing called the Houses of Refuge concept. You've been monitoring this along, uh, Christopher. What's the, what's the concept and, and how valuable is this Houses of Refuge concept? So it's a concept that Love Australia is promoting, and um, I'm on behalf of ACL promoting it as well, um, and is that a local church will declare itself as a house of refuge for a mum with an unplanned pregnancy. So it will have that on their web on our web on a website, or 
And if a mum comes to us and says, look, I've got an unplanned pregnancy, I need help, we as the local church will say, we will stand with you. We will help you, we will care for you, we will see you through to the birth and shortly after of this little baby. That is, if we are talking about pro-life, that is the minimum we can do. Because we can't, it's, it's easy to go for, it's good to go for a march, it's easy to go for a march. But we have to... We have to get in with the nitty-gritty of life. That, that is what Christianity is. That's what the early church did. It's, it's interesting. I came back from Sweden recently, and front and center in helping women in prostitution are Christians, church organizations. That's where we have to be, in, in the dirt of life. That's, that's, that's the call of Jesus. And so I'm encouraging all churches who are listening to go to the Love Australia website and sign on, become a house of refuge for a mum with an unplanned pregnancy. And we could save 10 lives. How good would that be? Absolutely amazing. And uh, it's there's a thought there, isn't there, that a church doing something in practice, and oftentimes within churches there are particularly some women who have had these experiences themselves or they've had this experience of uh, getting alongside of uh, other young women with a unexpected pregnancy and been able to give them that encouragement to be cheerleaders on the side and to be a shoulder to cry on uh, when those tough times come. It's like a practical pastoral care that can happen in every church whether they're in the biggest cities or in the smallest communities, and it's something practical that can happen. And no doubt there's some insight into how to do that at Love Australia. And just to uh, to follow through, to you know, find the Love Australia website, uh, become a house of refuge, and uh, your community will appreciate it, uh, especially those women who will potentially make wrong choices that they may regret and suffer the trauma of for the rest of their lives. Um, wonderful insights as always, Christopher Bro here. Let me point people to the ACL website, acl.org.au. ACL stands for Australian Christian Lobby. Christopher Bro here is the ACL State Director for South Australia for Tasmania and the Northern Territory. Christopher, thanks so much for your update today on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.